Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And this is episode 80 of the RV Miles podcast. If you want to get the show notes for today, you can go to rvmiles.com slash podcast. Or if you want to see what we're doing over on social media, just search RV Miles on your favorite platform. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, Henry, and of course, Wanderbus, are at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also cruising the interwebs. Just go look for us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, or Twitter. On this week's episode, we're going to talk a bit about managing your travel expectations, managing your vacation expectations, or if you're full-time, I guess, your full-time life expectations. Managing your lives expectations. We also have a a slew of fun and interesting tips and facts that we've learned about recently, a new brain teaser, and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can discover your perfect day at a park at findyourpark.com. After about uh, three months out of the bus. Three long months. <laughs> adventurous months, I shouldn't. Minus a short period where, you know, we had a drastic <laughs> breakdown. and Four days, 1,600 yeah. miles. That's how I like to uh, we, it. we are back on the road after hopping around from family house to family house and uh, a little bit of Airbnb and getting to see everybody. Uh, we are we are down in Texas. We were hoping to avoid some of the cold weather we were getting in Kansas City, but yeah. it's about the exact same temperature here. It, we're just outside of Fort Worth. Yeah. That it is up in Kansas City. Uh, hey, Texas, uh, the weather called and it would like you to return to 70 degrees. So we are we are going to be moving further south into Texas here in a bit. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get a little bit warmer. Look, OK, it was 24 for the low last night. Even people in Texas in this area are like, what? The what? Like, what is happening here? I feel like I don't want people to know we're here because I think they might accuse us <laughs> of bringing the cold weather because we arrived and then it went cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a really nice day when we got here. It was it was like 70 degrees. Oh, it was and, gorgeous uh, when we arrived. No. And I still we shouldn't complain because I did talk to a woman today. Her name's Kim and she works with the North Dakota uh, State Department of Tourism, they are currently enjoying negative 30 degrees up there in North Dakota. Wow. So we are about 60 degrees warmer than our friends up in North Dakota today. So that's like 60 degrees. That's like the difference between like 70 degrees and 10 degrees. That's crazy. It is. And I can only imagine that it's not just that you step outside and the cold hurts your face in North Dakota. Just being inside probably hurts your face at this point. It's so cold. So when we start to, you know, complain a little bit about what's going on here, let's just remember that some of our friends a little bit further north have it just a little bit worse. So we are outside of Fort Worth, Texas for this week, and we're seeing some family here. We're going to explore Fort Worth a little bit. 
And then we're heading south to uh, somewhere in between San Antonio and Austin. And you, you mean not Santa Fe? No, she as keeps <laughs> saying Santa Fe. Like, no, that's a if, different state. If at any time in the last few weeks on the podcast, I don't know if I've said it, but if I have referred to the Austin, San Antonio area as Austin, Santa Fe, I just... I thoroughly apologize to the state of Don't Texas. Don't worry about it. I, I cut it out when you did that did last Did you? Oh, <laughs> oh, I did do it. I was wondering if I actually said it because I have, I even looked up, there is a Santa Fe, Texas, because I thought, oh, you just, something must be wrong. Like, why do you feel like this isn't right? And I looked it up and it came up Santa Fe, Texas. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're right. You got this. There's also a Frisco, Texas, which I confuse with. San Francisco, but San <laughs> Antonio, Austin area. We're going to get a good two weeks in there. And I'm really looking forward to exploring there. There's also an RV show going on in San Antonio that I'm looking forward to going to it's as like well. They, so they just got everything Jason they, needs. They there. knew we were coming. Yeah, they did. Let's dive right into the news. The first item we wanted to talk about this week is a proposal for Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And I think this is a really cool thing. We haven't been up to Theodore Roosevelt yet, but they're considering putting in a presidential library and museum for President Theodore Roosevelt at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. I think this is a great idea. You know, North Dakota is always looking for some some ways to really grab some of that tourism that often hits South Dakota. And I think it's going to be a big draw if they can really pull this off. Here's my thing about North Dakota. That has always been to me. And when you say stuff about like the draw on the tourism, that is so hard for me to wrap my brain around because North Dakota has always been one of those states that I have dreamt about visiting. To me, it just seems like this wild expanse of outdoor land, Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Like I've just always wanted to go there. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, really? I love the idea of just even one more reason to entice someone to come to a state that I actually am so excited that we are going to get to visit this summer. Well, the thing you got to remember, too, is that North Dakota has only has about three quarters of a million people. It has. In like, this entire no, state. I know there's like nobody there. More people actually visit Theodore Roosevelt National Park in a year than live in the state. I think that's what I love so much about North Dakota is it just feels so big, wide open and wild. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. We're going to be spending a whole month in North Dakota this this August, and we're really excited about it. We're going to be at the FMCA convention. We're going to go to the National Park, and we're going to get to explore some of the other parts of, of the state. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of, lot of fun, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it at least. We're going to take Ethan to Fort Mandan. He's going to love it. He I is. can't wait. He's, uh, he's a, a big Lewis and Clark fan. And if you yes. listen to the <laughs> National Parks podcast, we, we talked about that area quite a bit on the on our two-part Lewis and Clark episode. We also did an episode on Theodore Roosevelt yeah. and his time in North Dakota sort of as a cattle rancher and sort of going to escape his depression or deal with his depression over the fact that his he lost his wife, his and, wife his mother. and his mother died on yeah. the same day uh, on the day his daughter was born right right or a day or, or two shortly, after or yeah. something like that i mean the healing yeah. power of nature yeah and another piece of national park news there you know that iconic typeface that you see 
on a lot of the national park signs. It's sort of carved out into the oh, yeah. wooden signs, right? Well, that's never actually been a legitimate font you can download and use before. Now it is. Somebody went through and did etchings of a bunch of those signs and digitized the font. And the reason that font hasn't been available is because those are made on a CNC machine. Uh, it's a computerized router and the, it's just these computerized system of letters and numbers that it carves into things. And it used to be before it was computerized, they used to have like these hand machines where they could put a router in sort of a stencil and move it around and and spell letters out to say, you know, trail with an arrow and that sort of <laughs> stuff. So it's that font. It's the font that you see that that's on like markers, you know, like on the yeah, markers camping the park, this way. So yeah. That sort of stuff um, that it would be carved into a piece of wood. That font is now available for you to download and f free to use, which I think is really cool. That font is now going to become a part of every single thing I do. <laughs> I love I love stuff like this. I love. I you know what I also found in and uh, in looking at this article and doing some research after it that you can also get the National Park Service typeface that they use on most of the modern signs, like the entrance signs, you can get that. You can also get, uh, there's no specific font that is the National Forest font, but there's something really close. You know, the font that that is real curvy, that spells out National Forest or National Grassland, almost looks like marker tip. I really love that. So I'm going to get that and use that for all kinds of crazy stuff. The smile on your face is so big right <laughs> I now. The, I know the graphic designer in you is just going nuts. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes if, if you're if you want to geek out on that like me. What might be a little bit more interesting to all of you RVers <laughs> out there is that Congress is in the middle of passing. It hasn't completely passed yet. It's passed the House and is likely to pass the Senate the reauthorization of the Scenic Byways Act. We love scenic byways all across the country. Yes. But we also know that they're they they're need not, some money. They're, they're not well <laughs> no. They're not well marked. Well anyone who's they're, they're not anyone well advertised. who's been on Route 66 knows that that is just a mess sometimes of a route to follow. Well, and often it's just up to the state to decide yes. what kind of funding they're going to put into it. So it often varies from state to state from the different types of signage and the different types of maps that are offered. Well, the Great River Road, I mean, that's another one that came to oh, mind when we were place. trying to follow that. Like, especially as we started to get, you know, through, I think it was Iowa and into Minnesota or something along that. Is that even possible? Can you get to? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Minnesota. No, no, that's not what I meant. I was meeting like, do Iowa and Minnesota connect? Oh, yeah. They do? Yeah. Okay. I, look, Minnesota I, in, is above <laughs> Iowa. Okay. In, look, in my mind, my entire adult life, I have always seen the state of Iowa much further west than it actually <laughs> is. I don't understand why I do it, but for whatever reason... I just plant it not anywhere where it should be. No. But I always, wrong. I, yes, I know. Why do you think I looked over at you? And why do you think you're going to keep this in the podcast? We also drove along it, along the Great no, River yeah. Road, along Iowa, camped in Iowa, listen, camped across the border in Illinois and Wisconsin, uh, and then in Minnesota. Listen, I'm going to say to okay. you, okay, I'm going to say to you what I said to you earlier this week. I love being a full time traveler. 
I have come to recognize, though, that things are starting to run together a little bit. Where that is true. Santa Fe, New Mexico is becoming that Santa Fe, Texas. True. And Iowa is now, in my mind, all the way over by Washington. <laughs> and I just can't keep it all straight. So I love this big, beautiful country that we call home. I'm starting to think it's just all one big stop. <laughs> anyway, Congress has not funded the National Scenic Byways System since, I think, 2012. 2012, which was surprising to me. We've gone seven mm-hmm. years, but it also makes sense and now. It shows. Been, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's showing its age a little bit. So, so this money will go into advertising these, to routes, to marking them a little bit better, to putting out maps and that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's a really a, a drop in the bucket in, in, in terms of money. Maybe some repairs on some of the roads and stuff, but most of that's left up to the states. It's just nice that it's being acknowledged, yeah. though. That's yeah. important. Finally, in the news, we wanted to mention our latest episode of the America's National Parks of podcast. This week's episode is on Charles Young, who was the first African-American National Park Service superintendent. He was one of the Buffalo Soldiers and the, the episodes about the Buffalo Soldiers as well, who were black regiments in the U.S. Army who served in in several wars for over for about 90 years, but were also sent out west to fight Indian wars, but also to manage some of our public lands. And they did it at great difficulty. And I I think it's such a cool story. And what an incredible life Colonel Young had. I mean, absolutely fascinating to learn about him, the things that he accomplished places he went and served on behalf of his country. Just really an incredible human being. So we hope you'll check that out. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's brain teaser and then a whole bunch of little tips and tricks, a hodgepodge, if you will, a potpourri (laughs) of little individual RVing facts and tips and ideas. We'll be right back. All right, we are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. Follow these steps and see if you can figure this out. Get a brown cardboard box. It's important. It's brown. Got it. Two, get purple, orange, and turquoise paints. Three, paint the box orange. Four, paint on purple spots. Five, paint on turquoise stripes. And we had somebody that actually did this and, yeah. and sent us in a drawing of like how this might have worked. It was amazing. They didn't actually paint it on, but they did a drawing. Of what? It was amazing. <laughs> I replied, I said, you're going to be so mad at this answer. <laughs> Seven, turn it upside down and eight, lie on your side. What is missing from this sequence? The answer is step six. There was no step, step six. There's, <laughs> There's no step six in the sequence. No. So you didn't Sneaky. actually have to like, Make diagrams of painting a box. and <laughs> But kudos to you for doing that. Because I would have been so focused on what they were asking you to do, not that it was being laid out in numerical order. And I absolutely missed that there was no step six. Yeah. 
So our winner this week is Marge Silverson from Mississippi, who will be receiving a Not All Who Wonder Our Lost t-shirt. You'll have a chance to win yours with the new brain teaser at the end of the show. All right. We got a whole bunch of interesting, fun. How many, how many different adjectives can we put in? <laughs> Little tips and tricks and, and facts and Jason, you whatnots. better You better have when a way to make these. To talk about here. But first, this segment is sponsored by the standby phone and beverage holder. If you're like me, keeping your phone safe yet convenient is a daily struggle. Seriously, it's a big struggle. Y'all have no idea. Especially when driving or around the campsite. But thanks to the standby, not only is my phone always ready and available, but so is my drink. The standby takes cup holders to a whole new level. This three-in-one product holds your drink and your phone at the same time and can accommodate numerous drink sizes, making it perfect for your car, motorhome, golf cart, boat, stroller, or camp chair. No cup holder, no problem. Attach the removable foot, complete with condensation tray, and set it right on your table or desk. It even comes with a ground stake for use at the campsite or the beach. The standby is durable. Dishwasher safe, UV protected, and will always be made in the USA. Your cup holder needs an upgrade. Get the standby today by visiting stand-buy.com and save 15% off with the promo code SAVE. That's stand-bi.com and use the promo code SAVE. We'll provide a link to the website and promo code in the show notes. And I do want to mention that the promo code last week was incorrect. Yes. So if you listen to last week's episode, they changed the promo code. It's just SAVE, S-A-V-E now to get 15% off. It's a cool little device. Like I said last week, it is something I literally use every day. And it is hard to find products that, that do that. And I need to get a second one put in the car because I was kept <laughs> yes. having my phone fall off my knee using it yes. as the GPS in, in the car. If you guys yesterday. ever want to talk to Jason about something like at length, he will love to talk to you about the standby. I will. I'm just saying. All right. Let's talk about all of our fun little tips and tricks here. The first thing uh, we wanted to talk about was was something that we learned on our drive. We learned the hard here. way. You know, we've been talking for a while about how we're going to take it easy and take it slower. And then we drove like 400 miles in one day on our way down here. Yeah. Well, what happened was we just got crazy and wild. We had a stop planned, but we didn't. We got there and we weren't, just weren't feeling it. Didn't well, have the we vibe on that wall Walmart. Yeah, we were wall docking and it what we weren't feeling well, it. And this Walmart actually has specific RV parking. They have, you know, double size slots mm -hmm. for RVs to park in. And for us, that's actually not big enough with the car on the back of us. That's the same thing we run into at Cracker Barrels. We really can't stay at Cracker Barrels usually because their RV spots just aren't big enough. Look, I will take the car off the dolly in order to boon barrel. <laughs> well, <Okay. they're> <laughs> <laughs> like, cause that means that I'm going to get some fried okra and some cornbread and some chicken and dumplings. There's spot when they do these spots, like they have it at this Walmart and like they have a cracker barrel. They're usually double spots, meaning they're about maybe 40, uh, 40 45. 45 feet long. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we are not, about, that. we're about 55 with the, with the trailer on maybe 57 with the trailer and the van on behind us. So we just can't do that. So we ended up staying at a, at a rest area, which was really nice. Actually. We did, yeah. We pushed on for another 130 miles, but this tip we're about to talk about, or just this lesson learned, I should say, it's not even a tip. It's just a lesson learned. 
it actually started before we even got to Walmart. Yeah. So it started like a couple hundred miles, not even a couple hundred miles into the drive. So take it away, Mr. Epperson. So our our bus burns a little bit of oil as as most diesels do. You have to add a little bit of oil, especially older diesels. You have to add a little bit of oil now and then more than you do in a car. Right. And if our engine runs low on oil and we had this happen to us once before freaked us out what it does is it goes into a safety mode where it will only go above a certain number of rpms yeah or it won't yes it won't go above a certain number of rpms and it you know it's trying to warn you to get off the road and and all that it's like pay attention to me i need some love (laughs) i need oil (laughs) and of course we never want it to get like that right we want to always have enough oil in there because you can damage your engine. So it's a little horrifying when that happens. And we weren't really sure that time when it happened, how it happened, because we're pretty diligent about checking it. Normally I check the oil every time we stop for fuel or every time we're about to head out for the day and we keep oil with us and we add a little bit. So what we figured out yeah, because this happened on the drive. This All happened of a sudden, on yeah. the drive here. It started making the and noise. And I had checked the oil. Yeah. I definitely checked the oil. And I actually thought the, there was a little too much oil. It was right at the, a little bit above the top of the, we of should the have range. Known. There's no such thing as too much when right. it comes to this bus. So what happened was we, we were on in the driveway at Abby's parents' house where we were parked. We were on the slightest incline. And I mean slight. It is a slight incline driveway. When you have a big diesel engine like this that takes six gallons of oil, the angle at which you are parked at makes a big difference on what your your dipstick reads. So we actually tested this when we pulled off the road. We were on an incline on a on an off ramp. So we tested the oil then and it was full. Then we went across the road to the the decline to get back on the on-ramp to get back on the highway and tested it there. And it was way low. So once we finally, we added oil, of course, once we finally got to a flat area, we realized it definitely was low and we needed to add oil. So the tip here is to check your dipstick and your oil when you are on a flat surface and don't trust it if you're not. Yeah. Don't do what we did. (laughs) Don't do what we did. Yeah. That's like the theme of this podcast. Don't do what we did. <laughs> All right. The next the next thing we wanted to talk about here is a little follow-up to our episode on being an outdoor newbie and exploring the outdoors for the first time. Abby got some feedback from a listener. Yeah. Well, I got some feedback from a listener in the RV Miles Facebook group after they had listened. And they recommended a site called hikeitbaby.com. H-I-K-E-I-T. B-A-B-Y dot com. It is a website that is geared to getting parents out on the trails with small babies. The idea being that from the minute they're born, fostering a love for the outdoors is so incredibly important and it can be done. They have this amazing trail tracker where you can go and you can find trails in your area, trails that they have been on and they kind of have like the hike at baby seal of approval. It is a very awesome website for parents with small children, toddlers and preschoolers who want to get into this outdoor lifestyle. I cannot recommend it enough. I wish I had had something like that 
when my babies were younger, we have kind of aged out of hikeitbaby.com. So that's my one site. Another one that I can't believe I forgot about on this episode that has been invaluable to our family, and I just think they're such a super cool organization, is called kidsinparks.com. And you can go, and now this is going to be geared towards your older kids. So you graduate, I guess, in a way out of hikeitbaby.com and you can move into kidsinparks.com. Yeah, like like toddlers to tweens. Right, right. It's like when you move out of preschool, you go into elementary school and then you go into middle school. There you go. So this site is going to have this program that your kids can sign up for to track their trails. And they track their trails and then they turn in their trail tracker and they essentially they they get like prizes, like they get things sent to them for their accomplishments. It's a great way to sort of motivate kids to go out there and explore while they're on the trail and to track their trail. So this program, I love it. I think the people that run it are really great. I've had some interactions with them on social media. They're really passionate about getting our kids. You know, it's sort of like born out of every kid in a park, right? So I highly recommend these two websites if you are a family that is looking to explore the outdoors or get support that gets you out there hiking. Young families, check out hikeatbaby.com, families with Older kids like what we do go to kidsandparks.com. Do you know what is the most common spot for RVs to get damaged? Um, for us or for like in general? <laughs> in general. I, I do because obviously I have the outline here in front of me, but until I read it, that's not the area of the RV I would have picked. Of course, all of us want to avoid having any sort of accident, having any sort of damage to our RV. But according to RV repair shops and dealers, the most common place for an RV to get damaged is on the top passenger side front of the RV, the top corner. And that's on a trailer too. So it could be on a motorhome or a trailer, that top passenger side corner on the front. And the reason being is Often roads are crowned, meaning they're, they have a hump in the middle, right? They go up in the middle and down on the sides, and that's so water can run off. Well, when you're driving your RV and you're on the side of the road, you're leaning a little bit out of the road. And sometimes telephone poles or trees that haven't been trimmed back, all kinds of different obstructions are there for you to whack into. That's not the side I picked. In my mind, I feel like the back passenger. Yeah, you would think you would think something like that. Well, yes, (laughs) you would think that tail swing would be the biggest problem that people would be not knowing their tail swing and they'd be taking a turn and hit a stop sign or whatever it is. And of course, that is a big problem. And we've seen that happen in campgrounds where people have taken out signs that really shouldn't have been there. And 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 uh, Jason taking out signs. (laughs) Well, our first our very first campground in the bus. 
I hit a lamp post, uh, like a, a lantern hanger yeah. that was in the campsite that was, you know, cemented into the ground. You're like, why is this here? Put a little dent on the back of our <laughs> bus. Did. Our very first night. So that can be a common thing. But the most common is that top corner. May, always make sure when you're driving down the road that you're you're paying attention to what's above And especially what's to the right of you, especially if you're in a trailer, because often you're feeling like you're driving your truck and it's the same as when you're normally driving your truck and forgetting that you have something taller behind you. Did this change the way you drove the bus this last time? Were you more hyper aware Um, of that area or all highway miles this time? Yeah, that's true. So but. It's something I'll think about a lot when we're on some of the smaller roads, for sure. Oh, I know. I'll be thinking about it and I'll be reminding <laughs> oh, you about you will it. Now. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jason you will really now. loves my passenger driving that oh, I yeah. share with him when we're on the road together. I hey, just, it's, I feel like it's my responsibility. It could be worse. We could have your mother in the. Oh. In the she could be directing me. You're so lucky she doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) She only listens when she knows I'm talking about it. She'll she'll know. She'll know. She'll She'll sense it. We just know. We just know. (laughs) She's the epitome of a mother-in-law backseat driver. She's a wonderful person. But when it comes to literally sitting in the backseat while you're driving her around. She will tell you where to go. Man, man, she will. Don't mess with that lady. She knows how, she knows how to get from point A to point B. Just listen to her and do it. That's right. always been my motto. Just do what she says. And you'll get there okay. Finally, we had a question about whether bleach is safe to use in your RV. And I see this all the time on all these Facebook groups. People are asking this question and people are railing against using bleach. People are saying it's okay. There are all sorts of different Uh, things that people are concerned about. And I think we talked about this before. We have. But I wanted to bring it up again because, yes, bleach is safe to use in your RV. But most people way overuse bleach. If you're looking to sanitize something, say you want to sanitize your toilet, usually people are going to put some bleach water in a spray bottle or you've got some bleach water in, in a bucket that you use with a wash rag or something like that that you're wiping down all your surfaces with to to sanitize them. Bleach isn't really going to clean any oils or things like that off. So really it's just used for sanitizing or bleach wipes or whatever it is. The amount of bleach you need to sanitize is is very minimal, like a quarter of a cup to half a cup per gallon. So a spray bottle of bleach water should really only have a couple tablespoons of bleach in it. Bleach, you know, people say, well, you should use safer stuff like vinegar or simple green or whatever bleach is no more or less harsh than those things when it's diluted down it's no less natural than those things when it's diluted down now is it going to damage your tank and your plumbing your super sensitive systems no you've got the same stuff under there that you've got in a house your holding tanks are made out of plastic the bottle that the bleach comes in is made out of plastic it's not going to eat through the plastic What you do want to be concerned about is pouring large amounts of bleach into your black tank. And the reason for that is urine has ammonia in it and ammonia and bleach mixed together is a recipe for nasty, smoky, fumy disaster. That's so gross. It will kill you. I mean, it will. Yes. So you don't, I mean, 
Does that mean you can't wipe down your toilet with bleach water or spray it with bleach water? No, of course not. All it means is if you have like a bucket of bleach water, don't pour it down your toilet. Don't pour bleach in your toilet to sanitize it. You shouldn't do that anyway. It's a big waste of bleach. You know, just spray a little bit of water that has a little bit of bleach in it. Jason, you are so passionate about this topic. <laughs> I did not. When you put it on here, I thought, oh, we're going to get like 30 seconds of you know, just a little chit chat on this, man, you like, I don't think I've seen your hands so animated, like while we've been talking in forever, you are just about to come out of your seat. Oh no, it's fine. I mean, if you don't want to use bleach, that's fine too, but it is safe to use bleach. And and the only thing and you will, you will hear people say this and it is true. Bleach can damage rubber over time and your tanks dump valves have rubber seals and bleach can damage those rubber seals. So all that really means is that you don't want bleach sitting in your tanks for long periods of time. If for some reason you did pour bleach down you know, one of your sinks, say, say you have a big bucket of bleach water that you use to sanitize a bunch of stuff and you poured it down your drain. You wouldn't pour it in the blank black tank. You'd pour it down your sink and have it go into the gray tank because you don't want it to mix with that urine. If you do that, then just dump right away. Don't let it sit in there and it'll be fine. No problem at all. Bleach is recommended to sanitize your, your water system. You know, it, it's a it's a good cleaner. It's not bad for the environment. It's not bad for your health if it's used in those small amounts that it should be used in. There you have it. Now, we don't particularly use uh, that sod. We don't use a whole lot of bleach around our house to clean no. only because I find the smell of bleach yeah. very difficult for me to handle. Well, I don't know why it has been one of these trigger smells for me for decades where if I smell someone cleaning with bleach, I have to leave the space, even the smallest amount. So we use vinegar for most of our well, but no, we, but we do use bleach wipes. We do use bleach wipes, but those bleach wipes are generally I buy the citrus or yeah. the lemon smells because I have to have something that masks the smell of the bleach. I couldn't just do, you know, for the compost toilet in there, you know, we spray it down. I couldn't do a spray bottle of right. bleach water because I just wouldn't be able to handle the smell. It took me a while to get used to the smell of vinegar. Now, I do mask the smell of vinegar a little bit by putting some orange essential yeah, oil. I would much rather smell bleach I know. Than we are on such complete opposite ends. But I completely agree with you from everything that we have read and everyone who has shared their stories of working with bleach in their RV. I just, I don't see as long as you are using it properly and safely and appropriately, why everyone gets so bent out of shape about using it here, but has no issue using it in their yeah. home. I mean, people are concerned about their RVs because because they know that sometimes they're not built so well. Sometimes they're not built with the greatest well, sometimes, thing. Sometimes homes I mean, aren't built so I well either. <laughs> I really do get it. But, uh, you know, the, the amount of bleach that you should be using, not going to affect anything whatsoever. Just don't pour it down your black tank. 
The more you know. All right. That's uh, that's our little little tip segment that we couldn't figure out a name for. We're going to take a break. What is wrong? Like, I, I keep on. I know you don't want to say See, it. I don't like saying funny words. Like you don't want to say it. I don't like saying weird words. I have it written down as hodgepodge in the outline. Bobber. And he won't. Whatchamacallit. But what is the word you were using last night when we were playing Katana? Doomajigger. Yeah. You will say that all the time but the word hodgepodge just like it just it <laughs> sends shivers up your spine i don't understand it i can't even say duma duma what i don't i don't even think that's duma, the word i use duma, duma jobber duma, duma jobber yeah yeah duma jobber duma jigger like they did not teach One me that things. in acting school that was not that was not a vocal warm-up i can't do it <laughs> all right we're gonna take a break and when we come back we're gonna talk about managing expectations for your travel lifestyle be right back We're back to talk about managing your expectations in your RV travel lifestyle. This segment is sponsored by Harvest Hosts. If you haven't checked out Harvest Hosts, it's a really cool organization where they have listed nearly a thousand. I talked to Joel, the, the owner of Harvest Hosts recently. They're, they're up to nearly a thousand different locations across the country. These are wineries, museums, farms. Locations like that that you can stay at for one night of boondocking and you're expected to, you know, go in and, and visit the business, maybe buy a bottle of wine or whatever. I have zero issue with that. But you get to stay for free <laughs> for the night. And they have all kinds of different listings for different lengths of RVs. You have to be self-contained. So you do have to, some pop-ups don't have a toilet, for instance. You couldn't you couldn't come in, in one of those. But you you if you are self-contained, have your own toilet system and your own water system, you can be a member of Harvest Hosts and have access to all these great one night boondocking spots all across the country and stay in some really cool locations. And they've done a really cool thing for RV Miles listeners and have arranged for you to get 15% off a membership. An annual membership is $79 a year. And with the code RV Miles, you'll get 15% off. So just go to harvesthosts.com. Enter the code RV Miles and get 15% off an annual subscription to Harvest Hosts. All right, let's talk about managing your expectations. Yeah, I think for this segment, because we've gone a little bit back and forth, like on how we wanted to do this, and we have a lot of thoughts about it in our brains, but we had a really hard time sort of sorting it out. So I think I'm just going to talk about my recent experience with managing my own expectations. I have no advice to give you. I only have my experience to share. And I think share. that's important. I mean, I think hearing what other people have been through and done is important. I think that just that idea in the back of your head will help people manage their expectations. Yeah, I think for me as a fixer, I naturally just want to fix everything for everyone. It's very hard for me to share an experience but have no real way to fix it or offer advice how to make it better. So, you know, we got back on the road. We've been off the road for three months. That's a very long time to be away from your home. Yeah. I mean, we've, and we've been on the road, just yes. not in our bus. We've been yeah. staying at 
family Airbnb and we've been traveling. House. Yeah, we've been we've logged a lot uh, of miles and we were very excited to get back onto the road. I was very excited to get back in here and clean up my home and move our stuff back in. I knew I had a lot of things to reorganize after the holidays. The kids had gotten a lot of stuff. We had gotten a lot of stuff and we pulled the bus. We had it in storage. We bring it to my parents and it's just cold. It's so cold all of a sudden in Kansas City. That polar vortex sets in. I can't get out there. You know, I had in my mind that I needed days not just like one or two days, but I really knew between work and the kids and just my own level of how much I can push myself. I knew I needed days to get us back in here. And we didn't end up getting that. We ended up getting really essentially just two days the weekend before we wanted to leave on a Monday. And we ended up just getting Saturday and Sunday. The weather was gorgeous. It turned, it was in the sixties. And, um, my expectations of what I wanted to accomplish in here started just deteriorating before my eyes. And I was pushing myself. I was pushing myself. I think 13 hours on Saturday, I worked hauling stuff in and out into the bus, pulling stuff out. I had to clean everything because, you know, not only had it been in storage, but we had just driven through parts of the country through the West where, you know, there was just dirt and dust everywhere. I couldn't believe how much dirt was in this bus. And, you know, Jason is managing. He, this is also at the time that he was working on that exhaust leak. So he wasn't really able to be a part of this moving back into the bus. He was managing, making it safe for us on the outside And I, you know, I fell into bed on Saturday, just exhausted. It was probably like one o'clock in the morning, you know, before I went to bed and God bless my parents. I had just said, please, you know, can you just take care of our kids? Um, And so I can be free to do this. And they did that. They were great. Sunday rolled around. It was the same thing. It was hauling stuff in and out and cleaning and trying to organize. And my, I started to just feel like I can't, I had this need that I had to have everything exactly the way I wanted it packed exactly the way it needed to be packed so that I could bring my family back into the space and we could go off and have these amazing travels for 2019. And it just seemed like everything I did, just, I took one step forward and I took five steps back. And I was so frustrated and like, I'm so silly that I'm even just like now talking about it. I'm like getting upset, but my expectations were just so high and I couldn't understand why I had done that. And I was trying to talk to you about it. And, you know, Jason was managing, I think his own expectations of what he needed to do here balanced with work and it just wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. I saw this beautiful Instagram world in my head of what I wanted our home to look like and all these beautiful Instagram interiors. And I was faced with a reality that was anything but Instagram. And I shared a little bit on Facebook, I think Saturday night, like I just made like a very quick little video and just was like the reality of this is 
not what you see as you scroll through Instagram. This is real life. And my real life right now is just a hot mess inside of here. And so Monday rolled around and it was time for us to leave. You know, we needed to get on the road. The The weather, of course, turned. It was cold again. I still had at least, I figured in my head, a couple of hours worth of work still ahead of me. And I couldn't understand why. I couldn't understand why it was so hard for me to get everything out there. And by Monday, my hands were covered in in blisters because I had been carrying things in and out in this laundry basket that was really didn't have like very soft edges. It wasn't. It's a hamper. It's a hamper. I mean, it's yeah. double size, so it's really heavy. Yeah. So I was like and filling it to the brim. Carried around. It doesn't have handles. It just right. has a lip. So I had like both hands had just two strips of blisters on them. I couldn't hard at that point. I was like I couldn't hardly even carry anything. And uh, it was Monday, and all of a sudden. We started getting some work coming into our inboxes, our editor inboxes, press releases that needed to be read, um, written for the Chicago theater community. And I just kind of melted down. I mean, I, I sat down on the stairs in my parents' house and I just, I started crying. Like my hands hurt, my feet hurt, my body ached so bad. I had pushed my body to a limit that I shouldn't have. I'm still trying to recover from. And it's been almost a week. Um, And Jason, bless him, was just sitting there and he was like, we don't have to leave today. I know that we had the expectation that we were going to leave today. We don't have to leave today. We can slow this down. We don't have to feel the pressure of getting to where we need to get. We will push the reservation back a day. Let's just stay. And I felt so much relief like when he said that. And I don't know if you were feeling overwhelmed at that point, but just that permission we gave ourselves to realize that the expectations we had built up to get back on the road were not the reality in which we were living. Well, I was just, I was really itching to get back in my home, to get back in my bed and, and to go. And for those of you that, you know, aren't full time as most of you aren't, it's the same thing. I think if you're going on vacation, you're just itching to get out of the house. You're itching to go have fun or whatever. Every minute spent prepping or every minute spent not going is one minute spent not doing. And for me, that's a really hard, that's hard for me to let that go. But I just had that. I mean, I just sort of had the realization in that instant, like it, it literally does not matter for us. If we go a day later, there's matters. not. I mean, we call the campground and move our reservation. It didn't even cost us to move our reservation a day. No. And we stayed and uh, we took, our time, I took some time. I kind of essentially just took that day off and tried to rest my body and make peace with myself. And even now, as I talk about it, I I can't explain why all of a sudden my expectations went just through the roof other than it had been so long since I had been in really a space of my own 
just with my family, the space that belonged to us. And I wanted this homecoming to be just gorgeous. I wanted this clean, beautifully organized space. And the reality is, is that we are five people in a 37 foot school bus traveling where the outdoors is the indoors and the indoors is the outdoors. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be bright and white and clean and airy and perfect for Instagram every single moment of my life. And I know I've brought Instagram up a lot. And I think that that has been my hang up for a while. And I told myself that maybe I need to either find a way to enjoy that space without feeling guilty about my own space. Well, I think there's two things going on. You have, because you manage our social media for the most part, you're seeing all these families doing what they do and traveling how they are. And you, you want to be like them, even though they're going through the same stuff for sure. But then you're also feeling, oh, we need to have this looking perfect for, for our social media, for our sponsors, for our followers. For It's so silly. It and is silly. it is silly. And it took, it's silly that it took me literally pushing my body to just a brink of exhaustion because, you know, it's not something that we talk a lot about, but, you know, each of us in this bus in our own way, we have different things medically about us that, that make us unique. You know, one of the things that I struggle with is that I have hypothyroidism and if I push myself too hard, it's incredibly difficult for me to come back from that. It requires me to do things for my body every day to care for it. And I didn't care for it because I allowed my expectations. I allowed myself to think that I had to have a particular type of life for my family in order for us to get back on the road. And I'm working very hard now as I look, as we sit here in the bus and I look at the beautiful clutter that is everywhere. The Duplos that are everywhere. The brochures that Jason just had to get from the Texas rest stop. I mean, stop. you like, can't stop at a, at, you know? at a rest stop and not go through the brochure rack. I, or take 45,000 brochures back to the bus with you. It's important stuff. It's it, research yeah. for work. As I look at all of these things and want to clean them all up and want to make it tidy and want the expectation to, you know, be so high, I'm working very hard to tell myself that this is a beautiful clutter and that our reality is, is our expectation. I don't have to try and get our reality to meet my incredibly high expectations. Our reality is just fine the way it is. And it's unfortunate that it took me such a extreme, like 48 hours to see that. Well, I I think you, you did come to that at multiple points in the amount of time we've been on the road. Yes. And I think being off the road for a couple of months and getting back into it, it just started over and, and there was a new yeah. sense of, you know, it's like you're moving into a new house and you want it to be perfect, perfect before you move in. Absolutely. When the reality is everybody that moves <laughs> into a new house sits with 400 boxes unpacked yeah. for three months. And I think a lot of this too, this has been varying 
I think, stages of my adulthood a little bit. You know, it reminded me the way I was behaving a little bit reminded me a lot of like when I was a new mother with Jack and we were living in a neighborhood. We were artists, theater artists, and we were living in a wonderful neighborhood that we loved, but we did not have the financial stability that the majority of the people in that neighborhood had thousand two thousand dollar strollers everywhere those were that was not my reality and I felt this for lack of a better word mom guilt or you know sometimes you've heard it like mom shame and it really took me several years to recognize that Jack's you know very first year of his life I carried a lot of that with me and it really wasn't until I found my tribe in Chicago of, of mothers that were staying home or were in similar, you know, just lifestyles that we could talk these things through. And I think a little bit that that is an, another topic for another podcast, but that idea that when you full time on the road or you travel a lot, it's important to maybe start finding those people that you can talk to about these things that can offer some insight or advice or just an ear to listen who understand. And so, you know, I have no real idea where like this topic has gone to or what the point of us doing this was other than to say, if anything, we will always just be who we are on this podcast and who we are sometimes is just kind of messy And we were messy recently and we just wanted others to know that it's okay to be messy and to not meet your expectations, even if that's just a weekend away with your family. If you don't get everything packed or you forget something or the kids fight the entire time or you and your husband aren't having or you and your partner aren't having the best time together, that's okay. It happens. It is. It's it's. It's life. (laughs) (laughs) That's as Frank Sinatra said, that's life. (laughs) All right. We hope you enjoyed that little bit of candor. I mean, I'm going to need, can we go to Starbucks now? I need a coffee. I need to like come down from that. But I would love to hear from anyone who has felt something similar. Um, You know, you can share it over in our RV Miles uh, travel forum on Facebook, the Facebook group there. You can, if you would rather just be speaking personally, I'd love to talk to you. You can find me at editor at RVMiles.com, how you manage your expectations uh, in an environment that has very high expectations. All right, let's wrap this episode up with a new brain teaser. A brain teaser. I am a protector. I sit on a bridge. One person can see right through me while others wonder what I hide. What am I? If you know the answer, send us an email over at editor at rvmiles.com or send us a message on any of our social media and you may have a chance to win a Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We sure will. And as a reminder, if you enjoy chatting on Twitter, you can find us on Sunday nights for hashtag RV chat. It starts at nine Eastern, eight central. Jason moderates just an hour of different questions about the RV lifestyle. So 
Pop over to Twitter this Sunday night, RV Chat. Just search RV Chat or just pop over to the RV Miles Facebook page. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening, for indulging us this week. And we will see you down the road somewhere. But until then, keep logging those RV Miles. Bye. Bye.